the pursuit of truth is clearly fundamental to the Mishkan itself. As the Mishnah tells us in Mesechus Ovis, There are three pillars upon which the world stands. Um, judgment, uh, justice, MS, truth, and shalom, and peace. Um, as the Pasuk says in Sefer Zechariah, MS, Umishba, Shalom, Shafta, B'Sharechem, puts all three values in the same Pasuk, implies that they're all on the same footing, and that of uh, justice, of truth, um, and peace. So, truth, and pursuing truth, is one of the pillars upon which the world stands from the perspective of Yiddishkeit. But even more than that, it represents uh, somewhat of our relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. The Gemara tells us in Mesech the Shabbos, that Chaysamash al-Kadosh Baruch Hu is MS. Kadosh Baruch Hu is known by many different names, but his signature, his calling card, is MS, is, um, is truth. That's why the Torah begins with the Pasuk Breshis Baruch Alikim, in the beginning of Kadosh Baruch Hu, uh, created, and the Baal Turim there notes that it's Soifei Tevas, Breshis Baruch Alikim is Soifei Tevas, MS. If you take the last letter of every word, it spells out MS, which is a fulfillment of the Pasuk in, Par- in Sefer Tehillim, of Rosh Devarcha MS, at the beginning, uh, about Kaddish Baruch Hu, at the, the, the first words that Kaddish Baruch Hu spoke was that uh, of truth. Kaddish Baruch Hu is known to us as truth. The beginning of the Torah starts with truth, and the reason why perhaps this Rosh Hashanah is found at the end of these words is because in the end it will be apparent that Kaddish Baruch Hu is you know, the only absolute and reliable truth. And in what sense is our relationship with Kaddish Baruch Hu defined by truth? Because Kaddish Baruch Hu is the only you know, truth that really exists in this world of, you know, this house of mirrors that we're in before a person gets to Adam Abba and to the times of the Gula. The only, you know, truth, absolute truth that exists is the Kaddish Baruch Hu. Kaddish Baruch Hu created the world and wills everything else into existence. But in a certain sense, there's a falsehood to their reality, to their existence, because they don't exist on their own. They only exist as a result because of Kaddish Baruch Hu wills them to be so. So the root cause of everything is the Rebani Shalom. So Kaddish Baruch Hu is Rosh Devarach Emes, he's the beginning of everything, and also at the end that will become apparent that that's why the last letter of every one of those words, the Brejish Baruch Hu, spells out Emes as well. So we identify with Kaddish Baruch Hu by virtue of his truth. But it even goes further than that. The Apostle can say from Malachi, claims that Torah is synonymous with truth. The Torah describes Torah as Torah's MS. And the Ramam goes even further in Hilchus Tshuva, at the end when the Ramam is describing the highest levels of Avedis Hashem, which is Avedis not Meira, but Avedis Meahava, the Ramam says, Your Oiseha MS, Mibneshu MS. A person just does truth because it is truth. What is he talking about? He's talking about fulfilling the mitzvahs. You do it because it is truth, meaning that's what a Kaddish Baruch Hu wants. So truth and the Ratzon of the Rebbe Nishlam, the existence of a Kaddish Baruch Hu are themselves um, synonymous, because the Kaddish Baruch Hu is the root cause for everything, the true cause for everything, the absolute truth that is behind everything else that exists um, in the world. And in that sense, we understand, um, in that vein, we can understand the comment of the town of the Belio, that tells us over here, Ois Dawid, that Kaddish Baruch Hu creates everything in the world, meaning uh, Kaddish Baruch Hu wills everything into existence, with the exclusion of Sheker, of falsehood. Because how was falsehood created? Falsehood was created by virtue of the Acharayim, meaning Mimela. When a person creates something, in order for that thing to exist, its opposite has to you know, also exist as well. So in order for there to be truth, there has to be the possibility for falsehood, kind of, kind of like a negative theology. Meaning in order for there to be truth, there has to be you know, the possibility for falsehood, otherwise truth can't exist. So... Um, Derech Agav, in the creation of truth, creation of the world, the possibility for Sheker came into existence as well. But it was only, you know, backhanded. And therefore, it's Ki'ilu, HaKadosh Baruch Hu didn't, didn't create um, the truth. That's why the Gemara says over here, Mesech Saita, over here, Isaiah, HaKadosh Baruch Hu can, uh, can tolerate a lot of uh, people who are Oivrei Avera. He hopes that they return. There are certain groups of people HaKadosh Baruch Hu cannot tolerate. One of them is Kas Shakranim. Those who tell lies. Why? Because a lie itself is a certain sense denial of the existence of a Kaddish Baruch who is the absolute, was the absolute truth. And that's what the Gemara means as well. Masech Sanhedrin called Anybody who lies is Kiu Anybody who lies in a certain sense denying the existence of a Kaddish Baruch Hu. A Kaddish Baruch Hu is absolute truth, is synonymous with truth, his signature is truth. And Sheker came about as a result only when a Kaddish Baruch Hu carved out truth in, in order for that to exist, there has to be the possibility for something outside of that, which is Sheker, when a person identifies with Sheker in a certain sense, he's uh, denying his identity, denying his relation with the Kaddish Baruch which is defined, which is defined by truth. There's a fantastic comment of the brother of the Maral, in the Geras HaTiyu, that in the first post, the comparison voracious, all of the Nekudos, all of the vowels are present with the exclusion of the Shuruk, the U sound, because Shuruk is related to the word Sheker, same OECS as the letter she- the word Sheker, because Sheker wasn't part of the original creation plan of a Kaddish Baruch Hu, but once a Kaddish Baruch Hu created MS, he carved out truth um, that created Mimela, the possibility uh, for falsehood. Okay, so um, 
we, we could, truth is one of the pillars upon which the world was created, a Kaddish Baruch whose signature, his calling card, is truth. The Torah itself is synonymous with truth, and our pursuit of truth represents really our pursuit of dveikos, of connecting with the Kaddish Baruch who is the only absolute and reliable truth, the root cause of everything else that exists in the world. So, pursuing truth, identifying with truth, um, being truthful ourselves is clearly something that's quite fundamental, and uh, to Yiddishkeit and one, it's certainly one of our core values and objectives. But if we want to be technical about it, right, where is the prohibition in the Torah to tell a lie? Is there a prohibition in the Torah to tell a lie? So one of the obvious sources um, that one could point to is perhaps a Pesach in this coming week's parashim. Parashim's Achim is Kedoshim. Parashim's Kedoshim, the Pesach says, Loi tignoivu, Pesach concludes, Lo sashaku ish ba One person should not lie to his friend. You're not supposed to lie to your friend. So it sounds like you're not supposed to lie, ha ha. So if we found the Pesach, that is prohibited to lie. The truth of the matter is, though, Rashi is quick to note, over there, uh, here, Aizches, from quotes of Megumar, Meselkis, Babakama, that in fact, this Pasuk is quite limited. It's referring to, this, to the scenario of a person who takes a Shvuas Sheker, a person who takes a false oath. That's what it means, don't, don't lie to your friend, it means to take a false oath to your friend, in relation with your friend, in, in, a, in, a, in an ASIC, in a, in a deal with your friend. There you shouldn't take a false oath, and that's, um, bolstered by this, another Pasuk in Parashat Ikra that discusses this, but it's bolstered, it's reinforced by the Pasuk of Elisa Shaku Ishbamitzah. So this Pasuk is quite limited, it's referring to a Shvuas Sheker. There's another Pasuk though in Parashat Mishpatim, which is a tempting source to point to, and that's Midvar Sheker Tirchak, a person should distance themselves from Sheker. So this could be disqualified though for a different reason. The Pasuk doesn't, it's not a command, it's not a tzivoy, it's kind of like a piece of advice. Midvar Sheker Tirchak. You should distance yourself from Sheker. It doesn't say it's prohibited. You know, don't tell Sheker. It says you should distance yourself from Sheker. It's a, it's, it's a little bit more you know, uh, relaxed. Well, it doesn't say don't. It doesn't say it's prohibited. There's no punishment that's mentioned. Midvar Sheker Tirchak. You should um, you should you should distance yourself um, from Sheker. However, even this pasuk, aside from the way that it's formulated, this pasuk also seems to be somewhat limited in terms of the context in which it applies. The Gemara tells us over here, Masech the Shvu is commenting in this pasuk. The Gemara actually derives twelve um, pieces of advice uh, by which a judge, a dayan who's running a court, um, a courtroom, should conduct himself. So, for example, let's say he gets stuck in one way of thinking. So, oftentimes when people say something, they have to, you know. Uh, the, you know, go to great lengths to defend it. They have a hard time walking it back. People have a hard time changing their mind or changing statements. So a lot of times people will push themselves into a corner even when they know that it's not accurate in order to defend what they said. So a judge shouldn't do that. Let's say he knows he knows the guy's a Gazan, but he comes as an aide and no one else knows he's a Gazan. So can he accept him as an aide? No, he shouldn't accept him as an aide. Obviously, halachically, he's not supposed to do so, but even ethically, he shouldn't do it because of midvar And the Gemara goes on to list. The Gemara there is a Rashi Tevis for all the 12 cases um, where this applies. Um, there's 12 kind of pieces of advice or guidelines by which a judge should conduct himself in his courtroom. A picture like a laminated list, you know, the judge would keep outside his door. You know, good things to keep in mind as you're running your, your, your courtroom. So it seems that this pasuk also, by the way, that's interpreted by Chazal, is limited to the context of the courtroom and the way that, you know, Dine Torah took place. But not necessarily in any other context, not necessarily in any, you know, regular conversations or dealings or interactions that we might have outside of the courtroom and outside of taking a Shavua. We don't necessarily see a formal, a formal prohibition. This is perhaps what leads the Sefi Yireim to the astonishing conclusion that, in fact, there is no prohibition to tell a lie. Um, uh, if it doesn't affect your friend negatively. If you're, you know, cheating your friend in a deal because you misrepresented the facts of the case, that could be Geneva, outright Geneva, could be Geneva's Das, it might run afoul of another prohibition. But if there's nobody who gets hurt here, the proverbial white lie, then the Sefi Yireim claims that you haven't violated prohibition. Over here, Ois Tess, the Sefi Yireim writes at the end of the second line about Sheker, She'en Bowi De Ra, Lo His Hero Terra Aleph. This is not uh, a prohibition. You'll say maybe it's not the right, so maybe it is the Rabbanon. Okay, we could start uh, arguing what exactly the Sefi Yireim means. Um, but the Sefi Yireim states quite clearly that if nobody's hurt as a result of the lie, then um, it, doesn't, uh, it doesn't violate any prohibitions in the, in the Torah. However, one could have argued just, just the opposite, 
back in that Pasuk, Midvar Shekhar We argue that it seems to be limited specifically to the context of the courtroom. That's why it was interpreted by Chazal. But even the Pasuk itself is not Velashon Sivu. It's not a command, which is hard then to uh, rely on that as a source for a prohibition um, to lie. However, at the same time, the Torah uses a pretty, you know, uh, harsh language in terms of how a person should distance himself from the uh, habit or the custom of lying, right? When it comes to shotness, the Torah doesn't say distance yourself from shotness, right? It says you shouldn't wear garments that contain shotness, it's a prohibition, but there's no lotion of tirchak, like distance yourself from this, remove yourself from this practice. So Sevarachino goes in the opposite direction. Sevarachino says from the very fact that this Pasuk is stated, um, not in a tzivoy, not in like a specific command, implies that this is really something that's bigger than one mitzvah. And that's why the Torah even uses kind of the, like, a, like a, a stronger language of tirchak, run away from this. In the Sefer Chinuch says over here, You should distance yourself from sheker, because it's so distasteful and objectionable. We don't find this by any other mitzvah. The Torah says, run away from this, like, you know, tirchak. Um, and therefore, we well, Sikravu, don't come close, yeah, but, but here it says, Tirchuk, you should run away from Shekhar, which is a description, an adjective we don't find, uh, or a piece of advice we don't find with regards to any other prohibition. So maybe what the reason why the Pusik is framed in this way, which is so broad that it, it's hard to really call it a tzivoy, at the same time, maybe it really teaches us something else about our aversion to lying. And that is that it's not limited to one mitzvah. It applies in so many settings that it's beyond one mitzvah, it's one of the foundational principles upon which Jesus Christ rests. It defines our very, you know, pursuit, our desire to come close to Kaddish Baruch Hu, who represents the ultimate and essence of truth. So maybe it goes beyond one mitzvah, and that's why, um, you know, it isn't uh, limited in that sense. Because it really represents how we have to model our, you know, ourselves after HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Of course, the Apostle tells us in Parashat Kisavai, V'alach Bedrachov, we should follow in the ways of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. I think more comments in a few places. Mahu rachum, rachum, just like Hashem is merciful, we should be merciful. And just like Hashem is truthful, that's when the Yigim will meet us, Harachim, Akadosh Baruch Hu is, is MS. So too, we have to model ourselves after Akadosh Baruch Hu, whose signature is MS, his calling card is MS, and we have to attempt to be truthful as well. But then it's a slightly different point of emphasis. According to the Uraim, telling a lie is a prohibition. So if you don't get harmed by the lie that I told, so then no prohibition has been violated. It seems Rav Rishayim disagree with the Urayim, and they feel that even telling a white lie is wrong, um, because telling a lie is not an interpersonal um, issue, um, where if no one gets hurt, then it's, you know, then it's uh, no harm, no foul, then it's, you know, then it's okay. Rather, telling a lie is, uh, uh, you know, is a ben adam, if not ben adam, ben adam, ben adam, ben adam, it's between you know, myself and myself in terms of improving my own midas and modeling myself after a Kaddish Baruch Hu, but probably even in a larger sense, pursuing truth represents a pursuit of a Kaddish Baruch Hu. The more that I am not focused on truth, the less I am focused on finding the Rebbein Shalom, who is the ultimate truth. So therefore, whether it's Ben Adam Lamakoim, Ben Adam La'atzmai, it seems to be that the general uh, assumption is, not like the Sefirim, is that the obligation to tell the truth and the prohibition to tell a lie is one of these foundational principles that represents a midah that we want to embody that's similar to the midahs of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And that's why it's reflected in many Pesukim and Tanakh, the value of being truthful. And the Pesukim says, Doivish Garim Lo'yikoin Leneged Hashem Whoever tells lies won't be able to stand in the presence of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. There are many Pesukim in Tanakh. And one could point to Sheir Sisrael Lo'yasu Avavoy Dabuchazov say for Tzifania, that we want to be truthful people and not people who are identified um, by lies because we want to model ourselves after our Kaddish Baruch Because it's phrased or couched in these terms, and not necessarily kind of a formal prohibition, you find different distinctions that could go in either direction as to how it should be implemented Lamaisa. So for example, since it's not a kind of formal prohibition, like the Sefer Yireim kind of understood it, right? He understood it as a formal prohibition to tell a lie. If no one gets hurt, then it's not a problem. But if someone would get hurt, it would be a problem. We're saying it's you know, kind of a larger issue, a meta issue, not to tell a lie and to pursue truth. So let's say I don't say the lie. I write the lie down in a piece of paper. Or not where I'm cheating you out of money, but it's something that no one gets hurt, but I write the lie down on a piece of paper. But I didn't say the lie. I didn't say the lie. So maybe if it's a Midas issue, it's limited to something that I say. If I just write it, it's a little bit further removed from me. So the Gemara tells him that this is, a, is based on, this distinction is based on Marsha. The Gemara says in Mesechus Babasa over here, kind of a famous discussion, about who wrote the last eight psukim in the Torah. 
the opinion of Rabbi Yeshua, some say it was Rabbi Nechemia, uh, argued that it wasn't Moshe Rabbeinu who wrote the last day of in the Torah because those described the death of Moshe Rabbeinu. How could it be Moshe Rabbeinu was alive writing about his own death? So it must be that it was Yehoshua who took over for the last day of Sukkim. Uh, Rabbi Shimon disagrees, and he says, how could it be? Earlier in Parshas Vayelech, the Torah describes itself, uh, comments about itself, there's a Sefer Torah Azem, Moshe Rabbeinu was holding a completed Sefer Torah, and a Sefer Torah that's missing even one Pasuk, um, or even one letter, is Pasuk. So must, must be, even in the lifetime of Moshe Rabbeinu, he had a completed Sefer Torah, so he must have written the Ape Sukkim himself. But how could it be that he wrote about his own death? So the Gemara explains, the neighbor of Shimon, that um, until that point, HaKadosh Baruch Hu said the words that Moshe Rabbeinu is supposed to write, Moshe Rabbeinu repeated them, and then he wrote them. That's the basis for what Seferim do today. They copy it of one Sefer Torah, say the word, and then write it in the Sefer Torah that they're writing. That's based on what Moshe Rabbeinu did in writing the original Sefer Torah. HaKadosh Baruch Hu told him a word, he said it, and then he wrote it. However, when it came to the last day of Sukkim, HaKadosh Baruch Hu told Moshe Rabbeinu the words. He did not say it, he just wrote it. He did not say it, he just wrote it. How does that mitigate the problem of Moshe Rabbeinu writing about or foreshadowing to his own death? So Marsha explains, because what, what was Rabbi Shimon's opposition, how, or what was Rabbi Yeshua's opposition, how could it be Moshe Rabbeinu wrote about his own death? It's Mexi Kishikra, he's lying. It hasn't happened yet. So one could argue, but it will happen, so that's not a lie. You're right, that's why it's not outright Sheker. It is Mexi Kishikra. It looks like Sheker. It looks like Sheker. And that's why Rabbi Yeshua was opposed to it. It couldn't be that Moshe Rabbeinu did it. It must be that it was Yeshua who took over for the last day of Sukkot. Rabbi Shimon says, no, it's not a problem with Mexi Kishikra either. You know why? Because Moshe Rabbeinu didn't say it. He just wrote it. Explains the Marsha, when you write a lie and you don't say the lie, it's not a violation of Midvar Sheker Tircha. Says the Marsha over here, he didn't say it, he just wrote it. And if you write it, it's less offensive. And the Sefer Amidus from Rabbi Nachman, who has uh, different points on different Amidus that people should work on, and MS, he has a long arichos with more than 50 points, but the 50th point that he has there is, Hasheker eno Sheker only applies... Um, one shouldn't think Rabbi Nachman has a relaxed attitude towards uh, you know, telling lies. He's pretty, pretty adamant about, about MS there and the more than 50 points. But over here, he limits it to a person who says a lie, you know, verbally, as opposed to one who writes it. And I can understand where that's coming from. It's about embodying a certain midah. Maybe one could say, if it's written, it's a little bit for, you know, more far removed than if a person actually says it and puts it in his mouth and accustoms himself to telling lies. At the same time, I can understand while going to the opposite extreme and arguing, you know, mamish pum faker, that if it's a formal prohibition, then maybe it's limited to writing or to speaking, but if I just, you know, make some sort of intimation that implies a lie, that, that, that couldn't be a violation of this prohibition. But if it's, because it goes against kind of everything we stand for, and it's this larger principle, a meta issue, an amida that we want to embody in, you know, in terms of our similarity, uh, to HaKadosh Baruch and, and cling to the Rebbeinu Shalom, one could understand that even goes broader than the confines of sometimes other prohibitions. And that's echoed over here by the Sefer Chassidim. Sefer Chassidim is commenting on the Pesach in this week's parasha in Pesach Kedoshim, and the Pesach says, Eifas Tzedek, honest measurements you should have, and Hin Tzedek. Hin Tzedek. There's another measurement called the Hin. But what's added by Hin Tzedek over Eifas Tzedek? If you have to have Eifas Tzedek, obviously you have to have Hin Tzedek. So the Gemara comments, that is coming uh, to teach us that your hin should be hin, your lav should be lav. Your hain should be hain, your lav should be lav. Your yes should be yes, your no should be no. Meaning if you say you're going to do something, do it. Be a person of your word. If you give your word, be a person of your word. If not, you're Don't be one of those people who says things and doesn't follow through. Your yes should be yes, your no should be no. However, Sefer Chassidim takes this even further, that... When you nod yes, you should mean yes. When you turn your head, you know, from side to side, you should mean no. As opposed to, let's say, if a person asks you something that's uncomfortable and you would rather not answer, and the answer is no, and instead of saying no, you nod your head. So you're implying yes, but I didn't lie. All I did was nod my head in the wrong direction from, you know, or in the opposite direction of the truth. Or let's say, you know, someone asks me something, I make a certain facial gesture, you know, um, and uh, uh, expression, and that really doesn't correspond. He, I know he's going to get an impression that's opposite from the one that's truthful. So I'm going to say, yeah, but I didn't lie. I didn't write a lie. I didn't. I didn't say a lie. I didn't. You know, 
sign on anything that's false. Yeah, but you gave the wrong impression. It says the Sefer Chassidim, then your yes is not a yes, your no is not a no, your facial expressions, the way you nod your head, your gestures also have to correspond to the truth. Now, where do you get that from? That doesn't seem to fit, you know, within the uh, kind of the, the general uh, you know, uh, the tone of other mitzvahs that are more action-related. So it could be, if this is a broader principle, then we can understand we have to be a little bit broader in terms of its application, that if you give any misimpression at all, already that could be a violation of midvar, midvar sheketircha. Uh, distancing ourselves from, uh, from falsehood in any way. Given our great allegiance to pursuing truth and our aversion to falsehood, it represents its tantamount right to worshiping of the Zarah itself. It's surprising um, the, what the Gemara tells us over here, that a person is allowed to lie in order to uh, restore peace. The Gemara here brings three sources for this principle and develops it and uh, kind of progresses in terms of its intensity um, throughout the Gemara. The Gemara begins, A person is permitted to lie in order to create the peace. Now, um, that's a permission, not a mitzvah to do, so it's a license to do it. Where did the Gemara get that from? So the Gemara bases it upon the Shvatim's interactions with Yosef. After the death of Yaakov, the Shvatim sent a messenger to Yosef, Saying, This is what our father said. You know, say to Yosef, uh, or our father said, send a message to Yosef that you should forgive your brothers, the Shvatim, for selling you to Mitzrayim. The problem is, Yosef, uh, I'm sorry, Yaakov Avinu never left such a uh, tzava. He never left such a message that the Shvatim should inform Yosef that he is obligated to forgive his brothers, that his father is requesting that he forgive his brothers. That was the, never happened. So the Gemara says, must be, what entitled the Shvatim to do so? Because they were lying in order to restore peace. Um, you know, to have good relations with Yosef and to kind of put the fractured family back, back together. So since it was for the sake of peace, it was permitted. Okay. So the Gemara established that it's permitted. You have a license to do so. But then the Gemara goes on and says, it's actually a mitzvah. I mean, maybe the Shvatim do it, did it because you're entitled to do it, but you don't have to do it. How do you know you have to lie in order to keep the peace? The Gemara derives that from a second source. Because in Sefer Shmuel, when Shmuel Navi went to anoint David as king, Shaul was still alive. And Shaul wasn't going to let him go out to anoint David. Or he was, you know, was afraid to tell Shaul where he was going. So he asked the Kaddish Baruch Hu, when the Kaddish Baruch Hu gave him the, you know, the instructions to go anoint David, he said, yeah, Shaul's not going to let me leave. What am I going to say you know, when he asked me where you're going? So Kaddish Baruch Hu tells Shmuel Navi, tell him you're going to bring a carbon. Which was a lie. He was going to anoint David. So you see, from a fact that Kaddish Baruch Hu told him to tell Shaul a lie, to tell him you're going to bring a carbon, and instead he was going to anoint David, must be it's a mitzvah. It's a mitzvah, actually, to tell a lie in order to restore the peace. But then the Gemara develops the principle even further. And the Gemara says, not only that, not only is it a, uh, you know, a rishus, not only is it a mitzvah, you know, it's a mitzvah, HaKadosh Baruch Hu himself told a lie in order to preserve Shalom Bayes. Why? Because in Parshas Vayera, uh, when the Malach informs Sarah she's about to have a child, or she's going to have a child, Sarah laughs, of course, and then she you know, ex- expresses her astonishment that this is going to occur because Avram Avinu was old. HaKadosh Baruch Hu relays that conversation back to Avram Avinu in the ensuing Pasuk, but there, HaKadosh Baruch Hu reports what Sarah said, not as Va'adoinizokein, but Va'anizokanti, I am old. She was talking about herself, not about Avram Avinu, because Kashbarach was afraid it would be insulting to Avram Avinu that which Sarah said in private. And in order not to create a rift between Avram and Sarah, so Kaddish Baruch Hu, you know, uh, changed the statement of Sarah. So you see, even a Kaddish Baruch Hu changes the truth in order to preserve, in order to preserve Shalom. Why is it so important for the Gemara, parenthetically, to say even a Kaddish Baruch Hu does it, right? It's true, the Gemara tells us the Kaddish Baruch Hu puts on tefillin, the Kaddish Baruch Hu, you know, learns Tyra, all these different activities, the Gemara describes the Kaddish Baruch Hu too. Why is it so important in this context, in particular, to tell us the Kaddish Baruch Hu also did this? So I think, again, that's telling, that it's because our aversion to telling a lie and our allegiance to telling the truth stems from the fact that we want to attach ourselves to Kaddish Baruch Hu, to emulate a Kaddish Baruch Hu, who himself is the essence of truth, so if that's the case, so then I don't want to compromise on, on telling the truth in order to preserve Shalom, because I want to emulate HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Therefore, the Gemara felt the need to tell us, no, 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 even HaKadosh Baruch Hu does this. Even HaKadosh Baruch Hu would change the truth in order to preserve Shalom. And therefore, you know, it, it's, it's okay. It's okay for a person to do this themselves, and, you know, they wouldn't be compromising in any way in terms of modeling themselves after the Rebbe
Okay, so Gemara starts off that it's mutter, then it becomes a mitzvah, then the Gemara tells us that Kaddish Baruch Hu does it too. Now, it's interesting. Why don't you just jump to the mitzvah? Why tell us that it's mutter? Is, is there a machlekes going on here? Is there one view in the Gemara that thinks it's only mutter? The other Gemara, th- you know, the other view in the Gemara thinks it's a mitzvah? And even a Kaddish Baruch Hu does it? Is there one view in the Gemara that's uncomfortable with this? You know, that doesn't think it's a mitzvah? It's, it's, it's hard to know, right? If it's a mitzvah, jump to the mitzvah. Why start out, you know, it sounds like the other view in the Gemara holds that it's only, it's only mutter. Anyway, this Gemara, we'll come back to that point, but this Gemara um, is also perhaps the basis for another uh, Gemara, Mesechtas Ksubis, which maybe we're familiar with. About how a person is supposed to praise the kawa to the chasen in order to fulfill the mitzvah of Simchas Chasen Vekawa, to make the chasen uh, kawa feel good about the marriage that they just entered. So, Kate's Merachim of Nehakawa, Beishama Yoimim, Kawa Kamoshi. You call it as you see it. Kawa Kamoshi. So, and that's not actually not accurate. I'm being dramatic. Beishama, I don't say you should call it as you see it. If you see something negative, you should say something negative. If you have nothing nice to say, certainly say, say nothing. Rashi explains what it means is you should find something that's actually good, something that's truthful, that's a positive quality, and focus on that. You have no right to lie or embellish the truth, but find something. Everybody has an akuta type, everybody has some good positive. Find the positive midah and talk about that. Now, that's a little bit dangerous. That's a little bit dangerous. Why? Because as we all know, you get a person suggest a potential shidduch. And you ask, oh, what is the person like? They have wonderful midos. Right? <laughs> so that's a euphemism for lacking in other things. Right? So it's a dangerous game you're playing here, Beishama says. If they say, oh, she has great, you know, I don't know, I don't know, uh, what a nice backpack she has. Right? So then <laughs> it's, it's yeah. oh, okay. <laughs> it could be insulting. So, but that, that, so Beishama is playing a dangerous game, but but that's the opinion of Beisham, you have no right to lie. Oh, you shouldn't say anything negative, find something positive. That's how Rashi explains the Gemara. Beis Hillel disagree, and they say, no, you should say kala no chasuda. You should say positive things, the kala is, uh, is pleasant and appealing. Um, presumably, hopefully, the chasim feels that way. But even so, even if the person themselves doesn't personally feel that way, you're supposed to uh, you know, embellish the truth, bend the truth, in order to make the chasan feel good. What entitles you to do that? It explains the ritva there. Whatever is Mibnei Darkei Shalom is not a violation of Midvar Shekertirchak. In other words, to preserve Shalom, one is allowed, uh, one is licensed to lie. One is licensed to lie. This comes up, Lomaisa. By the way, this has so many applications. I mean, it's almost every day in every single setting that we have run into these kinds of situations that a person has to construct the truth in a way that makes people feel good, right? If you say certain things, it would, would uh, you know, offend many people all the time if you say what honestly a person thinks. So you always have to, uh, you know, there are a million applications to all of this. But just one fascinating application that Moshe makes, which is similar to the case of the Gemara, is if let's say a person, you know, is uh, involved in a wedding where we know the kawa, it's known by some, the kawa is not a psula. But no one else knows about that. You're not prepared to announce that in the wedding hall. So, uh, you know, are you allowed to write in the ksuba, besul to the that she's a psula. So as long as the chassan knows, the chassan should know because they're entering into a relationship with each other, you, know, you have to make sure that they're being honest in terms of what, what kind of relationship they're entering. And of course, there's monetary implications of whether she is a psula or not a psula in terms of the value of the ksuba. For a Maisha writes, you don't have to announce it to everybody else. As long as the chassan is on board and she's not pasul or something like that, you can write besul to the, which is a lie. It's a lie. And you can read it, which is fine. You can write besul to the. Why? Because in order to preserve the shalom, so one can, one can you know, engage with this kind of line. If she's pregnant, it's not a good idea to say, right? that, that would maybe make the whole thing into a chuch of a tlula. But if, uh, if she, you know, it's not. So then one can write, uh, one can write, you're allowed to lie. Wait, 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 wait a minute. Beishamai don't hold of this? Beishamai have to also hold of this. The Gemara Mesef the Zivamas learned that I have three points. No, it could be Beishamai disagree with the whole Gemara Mesef the Zivamas. They're entitled to do that. Do they disagree with the whole principle of Mishan of Nehashalom? That a person is allowed to change the truth, bend the truth in order to preserve the peace? Beishamai don't hold of that? Do Beishamai not agree to the principle? So it could be, could be, that what Beishamai argues is the following. Beishamai say to Beishamai, why are you doing this to yourself? You know when you can, you can rely on Mishan of Nehashalom? If you're caught in a dilemma, and there's no way out of it other than to lie, you have a license to lie. Maybe a mitzvah to lie. 
But why are you putting yourself, you're going over unilaterally to the chassan to tell him something nice, and you're going to lie? Why would you, even, so your intention is to increase shalom bias between the chassan and kala. You want to help it, you want to enhance it. But, but by doing so, you're putting yourself in a situation where you're going to have to compromise on MS in order to preserve the shalom. Why, you know, why, what entitles you um, to do that if you don't have to? If you're boxed into a corner, you can do it. That's the Gemara Mesechtis Yavamis. There's no other way out, other than there was no other way for the Shvatim to restore peace with Yosef, other than telling him you have to, you know, be, your father told him to be Michael. There's no other way for Shmuel Navi to get to, you know, to annoy David Amelch, other than to lie, um, uh, you know, to, to show Amelch. There's no other way to negotiate the situation, then it's permitted. But why would you, you know, preempt the circumstances by going over to the Chassan and saying something that you know uh, to be false? So that's what Beishamai, a little bit more uncomfortable with this heter of of Mishan Shalom, as opposed to Beis Hillel, who seem to embrace it wholeheartedly. And it seems to, again, there seems to be somewhat of two, you know, two different kinds of attitudes towards this principle, uh, that a person can lie in order to keep the peace. Are we somewhat uncomfortable with this? Or do we embrace it entirely? That was the two opinions of the Gemara Is this just a mutter? Is this just a license to do it? Or is it actually a mitzvah to do it? And I believe it really goes to the heart of how you understand the dynamic uh, or the negotiation between MS and, and Shalom. And it goes back to a Medrash, perhaps we mentioned before, um, the Medrash of here, Oisit Zayin, that talks about what happened in Shammai, when Kodesh Baruch Hu was considering creating the world. So different Malachim formed different lobbying entities, lobbying groups, to come to Kodesh Baruch Hu and lobby in you know, one direction or the other. So uh, MS came to Kodesh Baruch Hu and said, do not create the world, because people lie through their teeth. They're constantly lying. They, However, then Mishpat came to Kodesh Baruch and said, you should create the world. People, you know, create justice. They implement justice. However, then Shalom came to Kodesh Baruch and said, do not create the world. People are constantly fighting. They're always bickering. And then Chesed came to Kodesh Baruch and said, no, you should create the world. Because people do tremendous kindness to others. So it was kind of a two against two. It was a stalemate. Emes and Shalom said, do not create the world. Mishpat and Chesed said to HaKadosh Baruch Hu to create the world. What did HaKadosh Baruch Hu do to resolve the stalemate? He took MS and he threw it to the ground. He removed it from the equation. And the Gemara says, quotes the, the Medrash there quotes the Pasuk, MS may aris titzmach. HaKadosh Baruch Hu said MS should grow from the ground. Then it was two against one, two in favor of creating the world, one uh, you know, in opposition. HaKadosh Baruch Hu proceeded in creating the world because he removed MS from the equation. What's going on here? Subshachta, <clears throat> one of his farm quotes from Reb Chaim said what actually is going on here is that MS and Shalom came to the Ibn Shalom and said we cannot coexist. We cannot have MS and Shalom simultaneously. If every person is going to act like a, you know, a, a four-year-old child and say every single thing that comes to their mind without any filter, without any hesitation, without any self-control, so then no one will get along. Right? Four-year-olds get along with other four-year-olds. But if adults will start saying everything that comes to their mind, people will get highly insulted. You won't, you know, every relationship will be on, 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 on rocky, uh, rocky terrain. You can't, have, you can't have unbridled MS. Otherwise, you won't be able to have shalom. And if you have complete shalom, no one's telling the truth. So then, you know, MS kind of gets boxed out. So the two of them can't coexist. That's what they said to the Rebunda Shalom. MS and shalom, but both of us can't inhabit the same space. We both can't be here together. So what did HaKadosh Baruch Hu do? He threw MS to the ground. He threw MS to the ground and removed MS from the equation. In other words, telling MS, you take a back seat to Shalom. You take a back seat to Shalom. There is a conflict. HaKadosh Baruch Hu acknowledged a conflict, but he put MS in the back. The driver is Shalom. Why? Because even though the signature of HaKadosh Baruch Hu is MS, the name of the Rebbein Shalom is Shalom. The Gemara tells us over here, Masech the Shabbos, Ayesif Ches over here. Shalom You're not allowed to give Shalom to your friend. Say Shalom Aleichem in a bathroom or in a bathhouse. Shenemar ve'ikraloi Hashem Shalom because then one of the names of a Kaddish Baruch Hu is Shalom. That's a problem. A person whose name is Shalom is a whole discussion. Is this one? And the other Ramah discusses it. Yeah, the person will discuss it. But one of the names of a Kaddish Baruch Hu is Shalom. The very essence of the Rebbeinu Shalom is Shalom. So his signature, his calling card, right, um, might be MS, but the name of the Rebbeinu Shalom himself is, or one of the names of Kaddish Baruch Hu is known by, is Shalom. And therefore, Shalom takes precedence over MS. It's a higher priority. That explanation of the Medrash seems to acknowledge the conflict. The two can't coexist, but Shalom prevails.
Shalom triumphs. Shalom wins that tug of war between Emes and Shalom. There's another way, though, to understand this Medrash. Not that it acknowledges the conflict, but Shalom prevails, but holds that what the Medrash resolved is that there is no conflict in the first place. And it really can be explained in two, two, two possible ways. One is um, advanced by the Ran in his Drashas, it's quoted in the Ksais HaChayshin in his Hakadama, where the Ran explained that it's because Judaism embraces, Yiddishkeit has a philosophy of multiple truths. Right in the Machlech is Beisham and Beisheil, the Gemara concludes, even though they argued about many things, Elu Vielu Chaim. These and those are the words of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. I mean, there's truth in both approaches, and many things in Yiddishkeit where there's two streams of thought. There's truth in both approaches. There's truth in both approaches. They're not mutually exclusive. Even if they're diametrically opposed, one says Asr, one says Mutter, there's truth in both approaches. Even when it comes to Paskening Halacha, and in Shamayim, the Psach is one way, down here, we don't necessarily Paskin that way. You know, Eimash Gichum Babasko, Leva Shamayim, he is adjudicated and decided down here. How could it be? In Shamayim they said one thing, down here we're saying another thing. The Ron explains it's because we follow philosophy of multiple truths. There might be a truth in Shemaim. We are supposed to pass in Shiloh's based on the truth that we find down here. Philosophically, we can pick that part another time, but we embrace this notion of multiple truths. When are Shalom and Emes at each other's throats? When a person thinks there's only one truth. When you think, I have the truth, you have nothing to say, the two of us will never be able to get along. That's the world we live in today. We, have, we can find no common ground. If I acknowledge, I have some, you know, I think I have a good argument. I acknowledge you might have, a, you might, I don't say it right. You might have something good to say, right? You might have a, a kernel of truth as well. Once I acknowledge the fact that I don't have a monopoly on truth, ah, then, you know, the pathway to shalom is cleared. And what Akhurs Rahu did by throwing Emmas to the ground is explaining there's an Emmas in Shamayim, there's an Emmas on the ground. And there's multiple truths. Once there's multiple truths, and halachas decided down here, even though in Shemaim they think a different way, then there's the conflict between Emes and Shalom is somewhat alleviated. But I would take it one step further. That's what the Ran has in the Joshua, like Damon I would take it one step further. If Dessel, the Mithlam Leo explains that there's two truths, but not along the same lines of Eliviel, Ludivel, Kim Chaim, there's an external truth that we see here in this world, that you and I have to interact with. This is a chair, this is a table. If I say this is a chair and this is a table, then, then I'm lying. Right? That's in terms of the external reality in which we see. However, there's a greater truth, the emes lamito, the truth of truths. And what is that? That's the plan that Chaj Baruch Hu has for the world. What do we Shalom wants? And what is that? That's Shalom. What a Kaddish Baruch Hu wants, his name is Shalom. What a Kaddish Baruch Hu wants is Shalom. Even if sometimes I have to compromise on the external truths in order to get to reach the, you know, the inherent truth, the internal truth, the ultimate truth, the real truth, you know, that's still a midah of, of truth. This is not my mashal. The Dumnamaga gave this mashal. Is let's say, you know, children play this game. They have opposite day, right? It's usually when I call you stupid, so then it's opposite day, you know. But let's say, we make up opposite day. So, uh, whatever, yes means no, no means yes. So, let's say you ask me a question, the child, they say the other child a question, where well, the answer is no, but I'm playing along with opposite day. So, I answer yes. Is that called lying? Am I over and mitvash, check your I said no. The real answer is yes, but where it's opposite day. Or a different example, this is the real example of Dibna Magid, is um, husband and wife are running a store, and they hate each other. Mamas hate each other. So they're constantly fighting in the store as they run the store together. Right? I guess they're with each other all day. Um, familiarity breeds contempt, so they're not only married, they're working together. It's a difficult challenge. So they're, they're at each other's throats. So they're constantly cursing each other. And, you know. So people, customers are uncomfortable in the store. They stop coming to the store. Who would want to be in the middle of this husband and wife? I'll go get my Coke somewhere else. I don't need to be here you know, for this. But then the store was failing, so the husband and wife realized this, so that, but they couldn't get along. So what did they make up? They made up that every time uh, they want to curse each other, they're going to say something positive. So instead of saying, I hope you die, say, I hope you live to 120. Instead of saying, I hope you, you, know, you leave and never come back, I hope we should be together forever. You know? so, and they meant to curse each other. They were speaking, Belosh and Saginar. So is that, called, you know, is, 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 that, is that called lying? Is that called lying? No, it's not lying. They're doing it in order to achieve a greater truth and you know, a greater objective, which is that customers should come, back, should come back to the store. 
So similarly, similarly, when a Kaddish Baruch Hu took MS that was in Shemaim and he threw it to the ground, what he was saying to Shalom is, or what he was saying to MS and Shalom, is that there's an external truth. The Kaddish Baruch Hu differentiated between an external truth and the internal truth. The external truth, that's what lives down here. And that's what a Kaddish Baruch Hu threw down here. And that's what can't coexist together with Shalom. However, the real truth, the MS Lamito, remains in Shemaim. And that can get along with Shalom because that comes about when there's an integration between Emes and Shalom. That is the truth of truths. I believe, I've suggested it before, but I believe that is the Pshat in the Gemara Mesechtis Shabbos. The Gemara says Mesechtis Shabbos, Kodayin Shadon, Din Emes Lamitoi, any judge who judges a Din Torah truthfully, to the truth of truths, as if he became a partner with the Kaddish Baruch Hu in the creation of the world. I have two questions. A. What is truth of truths? When you come into court, do you ask for, well, I'll take truth today. Or, I'll, no, I'll do like truth of truths. When was truth of truth as opposed to truth? If it's truthful, it's truth of truths. What is, what is the difference? And why is it a person who makes a judgment, or issues a judgment that's to the truth of truths, becomes a partner with a Kaddish Baruch Hu in my so I believe the answer is, what is a din that's done in MS la amitoy? What is MS la amitoy, the truth of truths? I believe what it's talking about is not absolute din or strict din based on what it says in Shulchan Aruch. It refers to pshara, a compromise between the parties. The Gemara says over here, Masech the Sanhedrin, that there's a mitzvah liftsoya. This is true. When you come into a base din, they'll ask you, do you want din or pshara? Compromise or strict din? And there's a, we encourage people to pursue pshara, not only because it's easier to arrive at a compromise sometimes in figuring out what exactly is the din, um, but also because it's a, better, it's a better ending. The parties, you know, hopefully, even if it's not a 50-50 split, there's something that they both can live with based on the, you know, what seems to be fair in this situation. That is a better resolution because that resolution is a resolution that in- integrates, not only mish, but integrates shalom as well. That's what the Gemara there says. A common thing again in that pasuk, um, Mishpat Shalom Shaftu Ms Mishpatu Shalom Shaftu Bisharekam, you should judge truth, justice, and peace in your gates. What is a Mishpat that has MS and Shalom? That is a Pshara. A Pshara. It is justice, but it also so it has some other, you know element of MS, but it also has Shalom mixed in. That's a judgment to the truth of truth. And when a person is able to compromise on what is the external truth, right? The din in Shokhanar as it should have been in theory, with mix that with Shalom to achieve a compromise where both parties now can get along, that is done in MS, Lamito. You reach the truth of truths. That's what the Kaddish Baruch Hu wants from us, is that we not only have truth and pursue truth, but to get along, to have Shalom as well. And therefore, you became a Shutaf of the Kaddish Baruch Hu. Maishabrashis is exactly what happened to Maishabrashis, according to the Medrash. Because MS and Shalom said the two of us can't get along, and Kaddish Baruch Hu threw MS to the ground and differentiated between MS and MS Lamito. There's the external MS that we live with, but then there's the MS Lamito, which is in Shemaim. If one has this perspective, then there is no conflict between MS and Shalom. The, the, the two are fully integrated. If a person lies in order to keep the peace, it's not lying at all. And it seems to be that's the direction that the Ritva leads us in. The Ritva, look back, the Ritva says, anytime you lie in order to keep the peace and explain the opinion of Beisheleel, there's no violation at all. It doesn't get off the ground. There's no conflict that I then have to, you know, negotiate Shalom is in the driver's seat, MS is in the back seat. You know, there is a conflict, but Shalom prevails. That's the name of Hashem over the signature of Hashem. Nah, it, there is no conflict because you've arrived at, at, at the truth of truths. However, um, as we'll see, uh, most, most Achreinim seem to take the other perspective, that this is a conflict. Shalom does prevail over MS, but it's a conflict. And therefore, we kind of have to do our best uh, to avoid it. The last resort is Mishan of Shalom. You have the right to do it. You have the right to lie in order to preserve the peace. But it's not something we should, even though we follow Beis Hillel, it's true, you can gratuitously go over to the chassan and offer him some compliments, even if they're not truthful. But it is something we should try and minimize our exposure to lying, even when it is in the context of pursuing the peace. You see that in two different contexts. Look over here. The Gemara says in Mesechthis Bam the Talmud HaChachamim uh, have permission to lie or habitually lie when it comes to three areas. The Mesechta, Bepuria, Uba Ushbiza. When it comes, if you ask him, did you learn a certain Mesechta or not, they'll lie and say that they didn't. You ask them you know, a certain matter regarding Tznios, um, they're going to lie because that's you know, to preserve their privacy. Uba Ushbiza, you ask them about a certain host who's the best host, so in order not to, uh, you know, to, to burden this person with you know, a flood of invitations or requests for invitations, so they'll lie. They'll lie. 
What about Shalom? Tamir Chacham don't lie in order to preserve the peace? Don't they know the Gemara Masech to Zivamas? Why isn't that in this list over here? So then Mukha Yosef asked that question, and the Mukha Yosef says, because that's a mitzvah to do. This is a heter. This is a reshus. That's a mitzvah. So Mukha Yosef is full on. He embraces this, you know, he, he takes this. Mitzvah l'shanas of Shalom, permitted, it's a mitzvah to do it, to lie in order to preserve the peace. The other Rishonim don't say what the Mukha Yosef said. They fold it into this Gemara. Taisus there says, why didn't it mention Shalom? Because that's the basis for these three lies. It's also similar to Shalom. Yeah, but these three lies are only a permission to do it. They habitually do it. It doesn't say it's a mitzvah to lie. Never says it's a mitzvah to lie. You have, you're allowed to lie. You have license to lie. They customarily do lie in order to preserve their privacy. But it's not a mitzvah. So from the fact that Titus folded Shalom into all three of them, because Titus says that's the premise of all three, implies that it's not a mitzvah to do it. The Rambam gives a similar implication. The Rambam here, Oiskav Beis, Rambam, when he quotes these three things, the Rambam includes Shalom in the list. He says, Tamir HaKachamim will lie about Shalom in order to preserve the peace. So the Rambam seems to fold it in, which again implies that it's not a mitzvah, it's more of a permission to do it. Yeah. More of a permission to do it. But the more, naf, you know, the big nafkamina, lamaisa comes out in terms of should a person lie or should, is it better to kind of tailor the truth to preserve the shalom? Meaning when you're in one of these situations, shouldn't you just, you know, just own it, lie all the way? Or should you do your best to stick somewhat to the truth. Meaning, is there a conflict here that we, we're really uncomfortable with? Therefore, we kind of have to minimize the lie and try and stick to the truth as much as possible? Or no, there's no, you know, it's, kind of, it's not dechuya, it's kind of hutra, that this is not a lie because I'm doing it for good, you know, for good cause, the ends justify the means. It has a little so, bit of lie, isn't it? Lie? Yeah, so the Rambam here said, like right, so, but if you mamish understand that, no, I'm preserving the truth of truths, I would own the lie, say the best lie to get the best result, Right? But the Rishayim, or at least the Rambam, is a little more hesitant, a little more conservative. The Rambam writes over here in Ochazdeus, Atam Chacham Lo Yishana B'Dibura shouldn't change his word, you know, you know, change from the truth. V'Lo Yosef V'Lo Yigarea, don't add, don't subtract. Ela B'Divrei Shalom. You can add and subtract when it comes to Shalom, but the Rambam doesn't say lie. What did the Rambam say? Leave a thing out. Don't tell the whole truth. Embellish the truth, but there's got to be some truth in there. The Rambam didn't abandon the truth um, completely. Kind of like when Yaakov comes to Yitzchak in order to receive the brachas, so he says to Yitzchak, he says, Anoichi Esav B'chayrecha. I am Esav Yibachar. Rashi there explains, if you parse the language, he didn't lie. He said, Anoichi, I am me. Esav B'chayrecha. Esav is your Bechar. And in fact, the Arach learns all of the cases in the Gemara, Mesechus Yivamis, in this fashion. We're going back to the Gemara Yivamis, which is the source for the permission to lie, in order to preserve the peace, the Archoner asks, why did the Gemara not say, L'shaker mepnei shalom Lie for peace. doesn't say lie. What does it say? L'shanois. To change. Meaning alter the truth. Tailor the truth. Not lie. Or avoid lying. It might be if you're boxed into a corner, you can lie. And maybe that's what, you know, versus trying to avoid. But here, you know, it's permitted to lie, right? Do your best to avoid it. But even when you're doing it for the sake of the peace, try and minimize the lie. Try and tailor the lie. That's what the Aruch Laner learns. That's what he says when Yosef, when the Shvatim came to Yosef, they said, Our father said, Send a message to Yosef. Forgive your brothers. That was not the message. The message was something else. But if you parse the sentence properly, you put the comma in the right place, or the period in the right place, the sentence could be truthful. He said, send a message to Yosef. He said something else. And we're asking now, forgive your brothers. But that's not, they didn't mean to imply that that's what Yaakov Vinu actually said. Or the um, Ritva learns like that over there as well with regards to the situation involving Shmuel. Shmuel said, uh, a who asked him to go, right, instruct him to go and anoint David. Shmuel said, what am I going to say to Shaul? So Kodesh Baruch tells him, tell him you're going to bring a carbon. So the response says, that wasn't an outright lie. He was going to bring a carbon and then anoint David, but leave that part out. But he wasn't actually telling a lie. He was cutting out, you know, he was, you know, was omitting a few, a few details. You know, wasn't telling the whole truth. 
but it wasn't an actual lie. And in fact, the Ramban makes this adamant to make this a point as well in Parashas Vayera, when a Kaddish Baruch Hu reports to Avram Avinu, that which Sarah said, that she said, Vani, uh, that Adoniza came, and Avram Avinu, to Avram Avinu, a Kaddish Baruch Hu said, Vani Zarkant, he says to Ramban, V'divar of Emes, Kaddish Baruch Hu didn't lie. She, what she meant to say is, we as a couple are old. I'm old and he's old. HaKadosh Baruch Hu left out the he's old part. But what she said was, says the Ramban, Ki We as a couple are old. Kisar was, was laughing about both of them. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu left out the part about Avram Avinu. But it was only a partial truth, but it wasn't an actual uh, falsehood. And the Arachon Air claims that that's what the Gemara endorsed. That's a mitzvah, maybe. is Lashanois to change, but not to tell an outright lie. That we have to do our best to avoid. So they seem to have understood this negotiation, this relation between Emes and Sheker. It's not that the two are actually fully integrated. Eh, there is still somewhat of a conflict here. Shalom precedes Emes, and therefore, you know, in the end of the day, you have license to lie. But since Emes is in the foreground, we should do our best to kind of, to kind of preserve the truth. The best would be, you know, to avoid the situation entirely, right? The Gemara says in Mesechus Brochus, a person should be margil himself. A person should be margil himself to say any idea, to say I don't know. To say I don't know. So the chayza, this the problem happens all the time in Shiduchim. People ask personal questions. And you don't want to answer because you feel that the parties will probably disclose it themselves. You don't want to preempt the chasen and kawa, you know, the, or the people dating from disclosing their private information at the proper time, you know, when they're comfortable with. But you're asking the direct question. You can't lie. So can you say, I don't know? Is I don't know a lie? So the Chayza asks, and that Gemara and Brachas, how can you say I don't know when you do know? How can you say I don't know when you do know? So the Chayza says, saying I don't know is a partial truth, meaning I'm saying, I don't know how to tell you about this because I really don't want to. So it's, again, a partial truth, which is Mishan, if they are shalom, you're allowed to lie in order to preserve people's privacy, in order to preserve the truth. So to say, I don't know, the Chayza at least claimed, is not considered to be uh, not considered to be a lie. It's a partial truth. So what you can do to preserve privacy, you can do in order to preserve the truth. Is that so, the Savior? Huh? Is that like you're in the no, Savior? No, it's quoted by somebody else. I'll find it for you if you're interested, yeah. Anyway, the Chavetz um, Chaim, in, in the Sefer Chavetz Chaim, is also Chaim Kanievsky in the Sefer Orchus Yosher, which is a fantastic arrangement of different midas and collection of Chazal about the, you know, the uh, parameters of each midah, both endorse this shita. That even though you can lie in order to preserve the peace, best not to lie. Best to tailor the truth. That's uh, both advanced by both of them because they are sensitive to, kind of, to this kind of conflict and therefore you should negotiate it. Yes, you can lie if you're pushed into a corner, but better to tell some, say something that could in fact be interpreted as true. And that's because, you know, again, it is a harmful media, it is a negative custom or habit to form, and therefore they were, you know, uncomfortable with lying even in the setting for preserving the truth. Because even there, there is some, somewhat of a conflict, there is somewhat of a, a habit that's formed, and therefore, you know, you have to be able to be careful. So Rabbi said we should be zaychet to successfully navigate this conundrum, this dilemma between truth and peace. But in the if we do, we should be zaychet to implement and integrate both of these and arrive at the truth of truths of being davik by Kodesh Okay. Uh, uh.